Hey everyone, welcome to Books and Boba for November 2016. Um, I'm one of your hosts, Marvin Yue, joined by Rima Yu. And Alice Van Chang. Hi. And uh, we're here to discuss this month's book, which was Monstrous, a graphic novel by Marjorie Liu, illustrated by Sana Takeda. And if you haven't read the graphic novel already, please do so now. Yeah. And we'll wait for you. We'll wait for you <laughs> for uh, 10 seconds. I lied. It was three seconds. Welcome back. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, Reba. Yeah. You assigned us a graphic novel this month. Yeah, because it was a short. Uh, it was a short month with holiday fevers and drama. So I was like, "Hey, uh, travel, <laughs> like something, something light, but not so light." Nice. <laughs> like, I mean, like page number wise, it's it's doable, <laughs> but then the content, it's you know, content's actually pretty pretty dense. heavy. Yeah, pretty yeah. It's a. It was. I guess we should start off with the description on the back of the novel. Um, Set in an alternate world of Art Deco beauty and steampunk horror, Monstrous tells the epic story of Micah Halfwolf, a teenage survivor of a cataclysmic war between humans and their hated enemies, the Arcanix. In the face of oppression and terrible danger, Micah is both hunter and hunted, searching for answers about her mysterious past as those who seek to use her remain just one step behind. And all the while, the monster within begins to awaken. Dun dun dun! <laughs> So this is an ongoing series, and uh, we only read the first volume, which is a collection of the first six issues, I think. Yeah, it's an ongoing series. I think the eighth one is just about to release next week, according to Marjorie Liu's Twitter. So yeah, it's a, it ended on a cliffhanger. Yeah, a really big cliffhanger. <laughs> yeah, I was I was tempted to buy the next uh, the next issue, but I was like, no, wait for the volume. Like I yeah. can't I yeah. can't do issues. I need everything to be like compiled yeah. into one. So <laughs> you might book. want to keep that in mind before you read volume one. Is that you know it does end kind of on a cliffhanger. <laughs> well, since it's a graphic novel, let's just um, talk about the art real quick. Um, it's the first time we've had pictures in our books for this book club. <laughs> yeah, picture books for adults. And I guess um, Sana Takeda and Marjorie Liu has worked together before. They used to do X-23 together uh, mm-hmm. for Marvel. And it's a very, very detailed, like, there's a lot of... There's a lot of art deco <laughs> and, like, the uh, clothing, a lot of, like, uh, embellishments and like embroidery and everything is just very beautiful steampunk and yeah on top of that you have a lot of grit in it as well so a lot of east asian and south asian influences too yeah you know, a lot of the, the 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 clothing and it was interesting uh, we had a couple like designers in our book club our live book club meeting earlier and they were saying they had a hard time getting through it because they had just wanted to see every single piece of design in in each panel. Yeah, they had the same problem I did. It, it actually <laughs> took me a lot longer to read this uh, compared to like our other books because mm-hmm. I was like, everything's so pretty. <laughs> yeah, and just so detailed. Um, we were also talking about how like because it's so detailed, it actually adds a lot to the world building like it helps a lot with the world building. Yeah. So this story it takes place in I guess fantasy. Eurasia, I guess. Yeah, fantasy Eurasia, where uh, um, I mean, it's steampunk and not post-apocalyptic, really, but uh, like, like there, it's at it's at like a really weird standstill where everybody has like high tensions. It's and... in the middle of like a cold war, yeah, or yeah. like a, a stalemate, right, between the two factions. And I guess we can talk a little bit about the world because 
Um, like for me, I grew up with sci-fi and fantasy, so like lore and world building, like I, it's kind of languages that I I speak. Um, but for the layman, I guess, or for people who aren't familiar with that, there's a lot of world building and a lot of exposition that mm-hmm. goes into this, and they do it in between chapters and little historical lessons by um, Professor Tam Tam. By yeah, by anim- <laughs> anim- anapomorphic. I think that's the term, right? Yes. Anyways. Yes. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's, um, so we're thrown into this, uh, I guess this stalemate caused by a war between humans and the Arcanics and the Arcanics, which are, um, I guess half breed, are, are they the half breed demons or are they the demons? They're the... a hybrid of humans and ancients and ancients are, uh, a powerful immortal race that take the form of beasts, uh, yeah. usually. But Arcanics can pass as humans, but not all of them can. Yeah, some of them have, you know, um, bestial traits like tails or, or wings or ears or like, like one eye. and Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so there's been, I guess, a war. I guess we should. Uh, this this world is so big. Mm-hmm. We should probably break it down a bit. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, Let's let's talk. Let's start with the races in this world because because like it is a very big component into the story because there is a war. Um, so we explained Arcanics, um, who are like these hybrids with magical powers, mm-hmm. um, and then you have the ancients who are uh, godlike, and you have the old gods who are these creepy looking monsters with eyes all over them think full metal alchemist pride and you got your old gods they're like cthulhu monsters they're they're like um cosmic horrors that are yeah that can't be explained yeah they're just all powerful beings that have always been there but are like either locked away or sleeping for some reason yeah like in the book itself the characters are kind of like we don't really know what they do they just are kind of there because you can see them yeah um like you can see them like wandering the countryside or whatever, but yeah, like no one, one really knows what they do. Um, but because of something that happened in the past, they got they get pulled into this conflict. And then, are we missing any? Like, I guess the cats oh, and, the, and the humans. Oh, the, the cats. Humans. Yeah. Um, I guess. I guess. Um, with are the, the cats hu- a different race? Are, are they? Yeah, they are a different race. They're descendants of like one of the like older gods that are older than the old gods. Yeah, they um, basically look like cats. Yeah, but they have multiple tails depending on how old they are. And they talk. and They're all cranky. Not all of them. <laughs> they all seem cranky. They're all like supposed to be like wise, like teacher type characters. Yeah. But they're mistaken as spies and like manipulators. Yeah. yeah. Um, but with the humans. Okay. So the war is between the human federation and the Arcanic Empire. And uh, right now it's at a standstill. And there's this great wall um, that kind of divides the country. Um and with the humans, they're like at the at the front line of the war on the human side. There's the Kumea, which is a religious order that's all female, and uh, they believe that human the human race should be pure of arcanic, pure and free of arcanic blood. And they um, they kind of like capture arcanics as slaves or uh, or as like, subjects to experimentation, and mm-hmm. they kill them. In very brutal ways, and and then they make lilium out of their bodies. Lilium being a magic, magical source um, that yeah. comes out of their come, comes out of arcanic bones, and um, yeah. And the lilium is what powers their like 
supernatural powers because some yeah. humans have uh, supernatural powers of like telekinesis mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, pretty much X Men powers. <laughs> like, yeah, and so the the humans, um, their side is very like they're powered by steampunk inventions, like technology. Um, looks like they do worship like a like a female goddess or something. Yeah, or like some sort of pope figure. Yeah. And um but the the order itself seems very like technology focused, very like experiments, science. Yeah. Um like I was saying at the book club meeting earlier today that uh the Kumea, like they reminded me of um like Unit seven three one, which was like a unit from the Japanese army when uh, they were occupying China. Like this was a unit that did human experimentation on, um, on like prisoners of war, like women, children. Um, they did like horrible things during the war. And it's kind of like similar to what the Nazi uh, physicians did. And the Kumeya, they kind of reminded me of them. And right, yeah. Let's get into that actually, because you you mentioned that uh, Marjorie Liu, the author, the the writer of the series, um, gave an interview about her influences, and one of the big influences was in fact her her, her grandparents, grandparents who um, lived through the Japanese occupation of China. Yeah, yeah, like her grandmother was fourteen years old, and she was one of the uh, one of the children who had to like kind of uh, flee China on foot uh, from the soldiers. And then her grandfather was uh, like part of the Chinese Air Force. So uh, both of them kind of like went through uh, this terrible time in history. And um, and now, you know, they kind of like come out of it in their own way from like trauma, which is kind of what the book explores because we have uh, themes of like post-traumatic like stress, stress disorder and like what war does to people, what people are capable of doing during a war how they justify it. Yeah. Well, right. Yeah. So that's kind of, that's the world that's <laughs> been built. It's, it's part dark. of it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and there's, you know, there's the political kind of sphere of it. There's the supernatural sphere of it. And then basically the story takes place when they all kind of collide. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, uh, before the story, the main story starts, uh, um, we're given hints about like what happened before, uh, like there's like the tragedy of Constantine that right. keeps getting mentioned, which is the kind of the cataclysmic event that kind of caused a stalemate. Yeah, right. Yeah, it was um, it was like a large explosion that killed like thousands of people on both sides. On both sides, yeah. and no one knows like what it triggered the explosion. And so like there's a truce because they're like, oh, like what if it's the other side that yeah, like, like had, who has the weapon? Who has the nuke? <laughs> yeah. And so uh, we're introduced to our main character, Micah um, Half Wolf who we later find out is the nuke. Yeah, she's the nuke. <laughs> <laughs> um, who's actually like kind of more of an independent player. She's kind of in the story for her own vengeance needs, right? Yeah, but everything kind of converges around her. Yeah. yeah. So um, you want to talk about Micah? Micah? Yeah, um, Micah is an Arcanic and she looks fully human. And we're kind of introduced to her like, in a very interesting way, like the first image that we see in the comic is her naked, uh, like like you see her missing arm, and you see like this religious brand on her chest, and you would think that, like you would pity someone who is about to be sold into slavery, who right. is about to, uh, like kind of 
be thrown into this horrible thing but you see her face you see her expression and she's just like oh like i don't give a fuck like she <laughs> yeah she looks very defiant she's very defiant she's like not ashamed of like what's going on right now and you and it makes sense because she wants to be there she purposely wants to be sold into slavery so she can find the woman who is responsible for her mother's death right. who is like the who's like a prominent member of the kumea yeah and then as a result, um, through a plot, she does eventually confront this woman who is um, kind of a secluded, like, crazy lady, right? <laughs> a little bit, yeah. Obviously still continuing her research. And you learn a little bit about the past that they all share, right? Yeah. Like Micah's mother and this woman. Yeah, Yvette, yeah. Have, um, used, like, they were searching for something together. Yes. Right? And then when they found that thing... Um, Something terrible happened. <laughs> yeah, when they found that thing, um, Yvette turned on. Yeah, on um, Moriko, her on um, Micah's mother. mother, and then was that the Constantine incident? Was that when it happened? Or it's, I think it's being that's, hinted that yeah. way. Like, yeah, it's not. I don't think it's clear yet. Yeah. I mean, my guess is that, like, that was what happened yeah. right. at Constantine and, like, uh, Micah and Tuya, uh, another character who's an Arcanic, uh, that's how they kind of, like, got sold into slavery. Right. Because uh, they're just kind of wandering around after, after like, losing their home. Um, but I did want to, like, mention that I was pretty surprised by, like, the lack of men in this series because, oh. <laughs> um, like... Like Marvin, I'm really into manga and like I, I like grew up reading it. But when I but when it comes to comic books, American graphic novels, I'm kind of not well versed in it. Um, but from like the from like like pop culture, I've kind of like made the conclusion of oh, um, American comics, it's usually male superheroes and like and uh, there's not a lot of women in 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 those comics. And then with uh, Monstrous, pretty much everyone is a woman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> pretty much everyone is There's a woman. There's like, like, at most five dudes that have lines like, in the yeah. entire series. Yeah. And two of them are like racist farmers. You got like the two cats that are kind of dudes, I guess. Yeah. And then you have uh, Mr. Uh, Raven. Yeah. Arcanic Corvin. Um, but, but yeah, yeah. like... The, like the women in the series, they're all very different. They're all like nuanced, and no one is perfect. Everyone is uh, very flawed. No, there are no saints in, in this series. But, right. Um, like, and none of them are fighting over dudes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like it was, it was really interesting because this world is so clearly um, matriarchal. Like, mm. it's right, mainly run by women, and usually in fantasy series, we're kind of like put into the male gaze i guess like with game of thrones you see you, there's a lot of female characters but they're kind of defined by the men around them or and like the patriarchy yeah and they're still living in a patriarchal society yeah like with queen cersei like she's a villain but uh we're constantly reminded in the tv show that she's a mother first she loves her children right <laughs> whereas like with monstrous there are terrible terrible people in here including terrible mothers <laughs> terrible mothers terrible women who beat other women who enable violence and and it's like it's just like oh women are capable of terrible things just as like men are capable of doing terrible things right it's, uh so it's like interesting because we're not kind of see we're kind of free from that normal traditional gender structure that we see gender bias structure that right. we see in in pop culture and media so 
I thought that was interesting. Yeah, and it all seems very intentional, right? Like it's yeah. like the reason they existed because the author or the writer wanted to create a world that subverts all these like regular accepted fantasy tropes, and right? Comic yeah, comic tropes. Because yeah, you yeah. have uh, you have like Micah who. <laughs> Like she went through this terrible past and like you would, you would like, you would think that you would pity her and you would think that she's kind of like, like, like a plucky heroine who kind of right. like, yeah, like the Mary Sue, right? But no, she's, she's like, she's unlikable in, in some yeah. instances. Yeah. She's like not maternal to like who, uh, to like Kippa, the fox girl that she rescues. Yeah. yeah like she can be very brusque and mean, but there's a reason for that. Like she went through uh like a terrible childhood and then you have um people like sophia and yvette who are scientists and who are capable of doing really terrible things like eating organs of arcanic children yeah. <laughs> and then you have um yeah and then you have like warriors and uh scholars like it's it's really rare to see women in so many different positions yeah and so many different uh lights you know yeah. and i think it's kind of um once you when you explained that it I, it clicked something for me, but when I was reading through, it, I didn't really notice it. And I think that's to me that that's really interesting because you know it didn't register that I was like, oh, these are all women. These, it was just, yeah, the story you, was really good. You thought they were just characters, right? right? Yeah. yeah. And but then you know it, it goes to show what why representation is is important because that's something that did click with you too. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, and you know, it's just, and I mean, that says something too that you mm. didn't notice. It's kind of like, um, you know, like what you want from like a good story or a good mm. writer is that like to look at all of these characters as like people first. Right. You know, like that's why that's how you avoid writing stereotypes or tr- get falling into tropes. You know, is because you have like a wide range of like nuanced, complex right. people, and then they're just people. So. Yeah. Yeah. So, I guess let's talk a little bit about... Well, okay, so you mentioned that, you know, the the Kumea, the scientists, you know, they eat the organs of <laughs> yeah. Arcanix. They, like, basically the Arcanix, in addition to being, like, like monsters and the enemy, are mm. also the, the source of their power. Yeah. Right? And that kind of... That's kind of the political... Um, commentary on it i guess yeah the, the political sphere of like w- this war is happening i mean the it's explained to the commoners as oh arcanics are monsters they deserve to be killed but then you see that there is a like there's economic reason or like a a very like person like there's a there's a gain yeah there's it, a selfish yeah. reason for it too yeah yeah, because like with the lilium like it it, it enhances the kumea witch's uh powers and I mean, you see, you see it in like in real life history as well, like um, like in colonization and uh, in uh, histories of like conquering uh, other nations. It's like, oh, like this other nation has something that we want, whether it's land or oil or gold, and you're just like, how do we get that thing? Right. We do it by dehumanizing them. We give them a name that like that's not human it kind of like strips away their uh um their humanity in a way and with the arcanics it's like oh you're you're a monster and it doesn't matter if you look human if you can pass as a human we'll find you and um and i think that was like really interesting because it's yeah it's it's just like well 
I mean, you, you, you're a supremacist group that says, like, oh, we, we don't want any arcanic blood in our, in our pure human, like, DNA. But at the same time, they are injecting that stuff into their, into their bloodstream. Like, right. right. They're, like, consuming. They're consuming <laughs> the thing that they're saying they should not, they should not have in their body. Right. So, like, it's, it's, like, really, really weird in, in a way. Um, and like the graphic novel makes it very like you see like the severed heads and like the yeah organs like, and, like they're not glossing over it they want you to like know what's happening yeah. <laughs> i mean the, the the good thing about fantasy is i think at the same time it puts this barrier between real life and and just like fiction right, right. it's just mm-hmm. like oh it's fictional it's it's not something that would happen in real life but um just from like interviews that I've read with Marjorie Liu, like these are t- taken from war stories that she heard from her grandparents is taken from research. These mm-hmm. are things that are based on real historical events. And yeah. when you when you read through the graphic novel, knowing that in the back of your head that um, some of these things, they're based on reality, it kind of shakes you, you know? Yeah. yeah. Like when I saw like the um, experimentations and like the severed head, of that arcanic cyclops mm-hmm. um i was just like people did that to other people like scientists did that to like actual children during right. like the cold war and world war ii and just like the thought of that actually being real it's like okay yeah. like yeah <laughs> like it brings <laughs> another layer of like darkness over it right yeah and what you know Riro was saying is that like you know fiction and like fantasy in particular kind of like I guess makes gives you like a safe space to like really look at that because it is hard to look at that like if you were looking at uh, like a, a war a war book yeah. or like watching a war movie it is obviously really hard to look at like that kind of violence but in the fantasy setting it kind of gives you the distance that you might need to like actually look at it and think about it you know without your natural inclination to be like oh, turn her away, I'm just going to ignore and pretend that never happened. Right. You know, it's like, it's, yeah, it just provides a sort of safer way to engage with hard material. Yeah, or like just a sneaky way to slip in like political like <laughs> yeah. messages. Yeah. But definitely, um, I mean, we see, this is, a lot of ways we see the effects of like war, not from the, the viewpoint of like the soldier, but of like the civilian or like the collateral damage. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Like, I do want to mention, um, like, Tuya, which, who is, like, a friend of Micah Half, Half-Wolf. Um, right, like Micah they, and Tuya were, um, they met each other at a, literally a, an internment camp, Yeah, right? like a concentration camp. A slave camp, camp yeah. yeah. Um, and they both came out of it alive, but, you know, like, after that, they're kind of, their lives are kind of shaped differently. Um, like at one point, Tuya tells uh, Micah, "Like we built good lives for ourselves. Why do you want to go back and like dig up the past?" So you have Tuya, who is kind of like, I mean, she's scarred by by the war and by like the terrible things that she had to go through. But at the same time, she's kind of unscathed by it. Like she's like, "I'm going to choose to just close that door and just move on with my life and right. just be happy." Mm-hmm. And then with Micah, it's just like she she has ptsd she her memory is unreliable there are gaps in it and she's just constantly haunted by um 
by the things that like happened to her and she's like and she's she's wondering like 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 with the monster that's inside her she's like oh like am i am i a monster am i am i okay like who am i like she is kind of grappling with uh her trauma of the past and like what's gonna happen to her in the future right um and i just thought that that was like like a very clever way to like show two different types of like oh like two people can go through the same war and to, like, and like and trauma- generally the same in trauma <laughs> generally the same trauma but they deal with it in totally different ways yeah right and you see it with like asian um asian immigrants and refugees like some like they went through the same yeah the the, the same war and some people they come out okay some people they're able to build lives for themselves and build a family but then you have other people who are just like unable to um, kind of shake that past off of their shoulders. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You don't really learn a lot about Tuya's character. Um, there is a big reveal at the end that um, we'll save till later. <laughs> um, but you, you know, with, um, with Micah, like her, her trauma is still open, right? She, there's no closure. Yeah. It's more than just losing people. It's like not knowing right. what yeah. happened. And I guess this is a good time to go into because you mentioned the monster inside, yeah, inside um, <laughs> Micah, which you know the, the titular monstrous. Um, so I guess, yeah, it's you know, it's spoilers, whatever. You should have read this by now. Um, <laughs> there is some sort of like one of the old gods, I guess, is within um, Micah, and at first you kind of think it it was caused by whatever research, whatever thing that her mother and Yvette discovered, but then later on um, the the monster um, reveals that it's actually carried through her blood. Yeah. Right? It's like he's chained, like the monster is chained to her bloodline. Yeah. Yeah. And we were were like joking at the book club that she (laughs) is the weapon. She's the nuke. And... um, (laughs) And like we say that because like the human federation, the the Kumea, they want to use her as like, like they want to use her uh, the lilium in her blood because it's like pure. Right. She's like she has this thing inside of her. Um, and then with the with the ancients and the other Arcanics, they're like, no, she's a weapon that's like too dangerous for anybody to use. So we're gonna put her in this really cool ass sarcophagus, <laughs> and, and we're just gonna like keep it there. Yeah. Um, thought that was like pretty interesting Um, yeah yeah so you learn that both sides are actually working against her Mm -hmm. yes right because she is this like x-factor right she's this like a reckless and b unpredictable literal force of nature that can at any moment can like obliterate everything yeah and she has her own agenda because she's not like it's not like she's fighting for the arcanic cause or you know anything like that like she's on a journey of self-discovery yeah you know right. so right because much of the second after she escapes from her initial um kerfuffle in and in, in the um in the kumea compound her goal is to learn more about her past right she realizes that you know she finds a picture in yvette's um keep that shows more people that are with them in the expedition where her mother died mm-hmm. and so now she's going to to look for them yeah Mm -hmm. and we like made predictions uh because the within like the first volume it doesn't reveal all the answers but uh we were saying like oh the monster inside of her she keeps saying that like it's it's like something terrible because it makes her eat other arcanics and uh, makes her like hungry but 
we're just saying like, oh, but is the old god inside of her really a bad guy? <laughs> like, can't he be like the nine-tailed fox in Naruto? <laughs> like, it's like, I will lend you my power. Well, <laughs> okay, so they do allude a little bit to the backstory of the, the monster too, right? When when you real, when they find out that the queen mother or the queen, is it the queen mother? Mother, mother, superior. mother superior, superior of the Kamehameha, like the literal, the pope, <laughs> um, the warrior pope of the Kamehameha order is herself a old god made flesh mm-hmm. right and then you realize like two things one is that you know there's this malevolent leader that is manipulating the humans to fighting this war mm-hmm. to further their own self-interest while telling them it's because of purity or whatever yeah right and two the mother superior monster thing alludes to that the old god within micah is actually like the most powerful of them mm-hmm and betrayed their own kind, right? Yeah. Like um, they didn't go into details, but you kind of get this feeling that maybe he's not all that bad, or a or b, like they the the monster is a like a rebel god, yeah, right? Someone who it's it's like the people who uh, came out of the war alive and and kind of like in power. They've created this narrative that like benefits them the most, which is to say, like, <laughs> oh, he's a rebel god, like, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, like I, I guess like I do want to talk more about like the racism in this <laughs> world. I, I feel so hesitant going into this. I mean the fantasy race fantasy, fantasy racism, racism is interesting because like instead of having actual like ethnic races, you can have mm-hmm. elves and dwarves, in this case little, you know yeah. half beasts. Yeah. I mean like It's palpable I, from the beginning. Like yeah. the first few um frames is about like this nun Slavery. teaching kids about how all the Arcanics are beasts and they'll murder you and cats can't be trusted. Well, like that made me question like, okay, like with like racial prejudice, none of us are born with that. We're, we don't come out of the womb saying like, I hate, like, <laughs> I hate black people or Asian people. Like that stuff is taught. And yeah. um, you see it with the racist farmers uh, mm. in, in like one of the chapters where uh, Micah is escaping with, uh, an Edenite lady who's like one on of the a wagon. few male characters with speaking lines. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like they're saying, and they're they're saying like, oh, like Arcanics are terrible. And and then like the Edenite lady, she says, oh, but your grandfather married an Arcanic, and like, right. and like you guys were, you guys were raised by this Arcanic lady. Like, how can you say something like that? Mm. And he's just like, I don't, I don't know. Like that's like we don't talk to our granddaddy anymore. And <laughs> and and it's just like, well, like pe- you see people do that in real life. They put these, they purposely put these uh, blinders on because they're mm. like, I don't want to see like the entire truth. I don't want right. to like like you in in that instance, you want like a scapegoat to your life problems, right? Like, and it's easier to blame the other. In this case, the other literally looks different. Yeah. Or sometimes they don't. Sometimes they don't. They can. But, they can pass. Yeah. Like Micah can pass. But yeah. but yeah, a lot of them are very obviously not. Yeah. Some of them have wings. Some of them have like extra like, eyes. Yeah. You know, like we've said, tails and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, but like with uh, like Micah, who's like, like um, like with Marjorie Liu, she is like of a mixed race background, right. and I just can't help but notice that like. Like maybe there's some commentary in in like Micah because like Micah can pass as like a human, right? Yeah, and there's like the question of uh, like 
like biracial and multiracial uh, mm-hmm. children who are like, oh, you look more white, so you can pass as white. You can have these privileges, mm-hmm. but that's not really the case. Sometimes, like sometimes it's it, it's more complicated than that. They don't yeah. fit in anywhere, or they feel like they don't fit in anywhere. Yeah, yeah. the The line where they say that they, she can pass as a human was spoken by like the one of the. Like auction people, auction people, right? And he's like, "Are you selling humans as as, <laughs> as like slaves? That would be atrocious." And it's like, "Well, yeah. you're doing this to actual like living beings. <laughs> I don't know like how much more horrific that would be." Yeah, but I guess that's interesting because that you bring that up because it's like, well, she can pass as human, but just because you slap like this label of arcanic on yeah. her, then it's like okay, like it's not atrocious to sell Micah because even yeah. though she looks human and i wouldn't have known that she's not human because you told me she's an arcanic then it's not atrocious that we're selling her into slavery yeah. you know yeah so yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's like saying like oh like like racism doesn't exist if like <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah but but it and i so, mean i mean even with like the ancients like before the war yeah they had their own uh prejudice like right right there was um so one of the the interstitial lore sections they talked about how the first arcanic was born and it was born out of a a union of human and ancient and then the ancients were the ones who like m- killed the mother for like diluting or like for engaging in forbidden Oh no, you're Love. you're confusing it because uh like because there were two sorry I like reread this last night so like <laughs> so you're clear uh, so I'm kind of clear um so there there was a union with like an arcanic and like a kumea mm-hmm. or like a witch nun oh okay and like uh the witch nun lady had a baby and like the kumea was were like you need to instead of like banishing the mother from like their organization they like killed her baby. And then oh. left the baby on the Arcanic Dad's doorstep. Is that what it was? But then, like there, there's the other story of like the first Arcanic that came into um, existence. It came into existence, and that was like, like she was spirited away by like a cat, and then the cat like erased her true name from all records, and she became known as the Shaman Empress, and she like did great things like she built like technology that was like far more superior than like modern technology right. but yeah like they were there was like prejudice on all fronts <laughs> like it wasn't just like the humans who hate arcanics it's like yeah. right ancients who hate humans and like like that... it exists everywhere yeah i just yeah. reread that section and yeah you're right <laughs> <laughs> i remember correctly doing her um, homework <laughs> <laughs> but they also mentioned that you know that was the I guess the the event that allowed the Kumeya to take, like they were given unilateral power to be like judge and jury for these types of things. Mm-hmm. And that's how they became like the order that they become in the book. And essentially they become like judge dreads, like just <laughs> the law of the land. Right. right? Judge jury. I like, I don't know if you guys uh, heard of the Bayonetta series, but the witches <laughs> of the Kumeya, they like remind me so much of Bayonetta because mm. <laughs> they're witches too. And they wear like the, the, the like art deco and oh. like, like really cool character designs. But anyway, that was a side. <laughs> um, so do you want to talk about the Fox girl or oh, the, um, like the, um, the, the band of misfits that, <laughs> um, that Micah 
reluctantly travels with. Um, so there's the cat guy who quotes the poets. Master Ren and, and uh, um, the fox girl, yeah, Kippa. Kippa. Um, I, when I saw Kippa, I was like, oh my god, Shippo from Inuyasha. <laughs> and like, I thought she was going to die in the first <laughs> chapter. I was no. like, oh, are they going to kill the fox girl? But she seems to have survived the six, six chapters yeah, so far. She's alive through volume one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, like, like looking at the Arcanics and some of the creatures um, in the series, they reminded me a lot of like Japanese mythology and, uh, and Egyptian mythology. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was a lot of like Egyptian motifs in, in the art. Especially in the, the, the one scene in the ancient like temple. Yeah. Right? yeah. Uh, the, I think it was the Dawn Court. Yeah. Yeah. Like you see all of these like beasts, like half human, half with like beast. animal heads. Animal right. heads. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it yeah. was like it was really cool. And and like with uh with the city of Zamora, which is the uh city that we're first introduced to, like it's kind of like uh it's technically a truce city, but <laughs> it's Berlin, right? But, like, it's, uh... yeah. And like they're like by the wall that separates like the human federation from the Arcanic land, but mm-hmm. but basically they're in in line with the human federation. Right. They like have slave auctions and there's right. a huge Kumea like operation there. Um but I'm just thinking about before the war started like it like it mentions like in the interludes that uh humans and Arcanics they got along, they had peace and there was like this trade and it just reminded me of like Constantinople right, and like, like the, the Ottoman Silk Empire. Road. Yeah. 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 Where like everyone just kind of like traveled and they met like kind of halfway and there's like this melting pot of trade and like yeah. culture. Right. And it it goes back to, you know, these prejudices, these no wars, you know, these prejudices are are taught right they're they're formed over generations or and a lot of times like you think about why othering happens right it's a lot easier to kill the enemy if we don't think they're human mm-hmm. right right and something that happens in wars i mean wars like it's it's you're literally just murdering a ton of people right right so you know how do you how do you live with yourself you, you convince yourself that the other person's not like it's, you shouldn't think about it. Right? Yeah. You dehumanize them. You dehumanize. You desensitize yourself. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, do you guys watch Black Mirror? No, I really want to. <laughs> um, because the most recent season, actually, since you just mentioned that, um, the most recent season, one of the episodes deals with that. Mm. Deals with like, um, like kind of like how people deal with like committing atrocities or being able to kill. And it has. A, I don't want to give it give it away, but it, <laughs> it the episode's interesting. It's actually not one of my favorites, but it is very in line with like the Black Mirror like aesthetic, like what they like to do. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting how they approached like how people others do like other mm-hmm. the people they don't like, you know, or right. and in order to like justify like getting rid of them or killing them or driving them out or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So it just yeah. reminded me of episode. And it's it's even more nefarious when you realize that, you know, like the Arcanics were othered for personal gain of like the Kumea, right? Who yeah. gain power from their literally their bodies, their dead bodies. Right. Well, right? there's like the question of like how do you define the other? Mm-hmm. You know, because uh, it 
it wasn't always about race, like at least in our history, in our timeline. Right. Uh, because we've had wars over religion mm-hmm. where like the other is actually, they look exactly the same as you, but they just have different beliefs. So like the other, I, I like to me, I think it's just kind of a label that you just stick yeah. on other people. Like you can pick on them for like the smallest, most insignificant reason. You just put that label on them to gain personal yeah and i think that too is like that whole it goes like it's a good example of like the whole thing about micah being um being able to pass yeah because you know like we were saying with most or a lot of the arcanics like they are they literally look different from humans Mm -hmm. and in like significant ways not just like skin color or like eye shape or whatever it's like you know they literally have like animal features yeah so you can tell that they're not human but with Micah, you know, she looks human, but it's literally the label of Arcanic that, like, at least for the human side, like, that's what lets them other her. Right. You know? And, like, the monster tentacles, tentacles coming out of her, her well, severed yeah. arm. But, you know, that's not, that's not her <laughs> usual appearance. Right. <laughs> um, we have a couple minutes left, so let's talk a little bit more about just the setting. Like, you, you touched a little bit about the... the the Japanese or Asian folklore influences. And I yeah. thought that was super, that was um, obviously another, another intentional thing that Marjorie Liu um, injected into, into writing the story. Yeah. And that um, the, the artist was able to, you know, to fulfill. Yeah. Like I, I like when I saw the cover and like some of the, uh, some, some like photo, like some screenshots of like, of the graphic novel before I bought it. Um, I was like, whoa, this is not manga. Like, this is not, like, (laughs) Western comics. Like, the style is in between. Like, it's, like, the, I think, like, the panels are very Americanized, but then, like, with the, with the clothing and with, like, the, the interior design and, like, just the way the uh, facial features are drawn, they're very, they're very Japanese, very manhwa as well, so... (laughs) And just, you know, the, the idea of, like, like animal spirits, animal... Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. like with, like... I say demons, but not really demons. They're that's, not really That's putting a label on them. Yeah. I, won't, I won't label the Arcanics that way. I mean, like, but, with, <laughs> with, like, the... With, like, Kippa, like, I said Inuyasha, and, you know, like, fox spirits and, like, Kitsunes, that's Japanese folklore yeah. right there. And then you have, uh, like, with... Like, there's, like, a chart in, in, in the chapter... Uh, in one of like the interludes with Professor Tam Tam, and yeah. and like you see the ancients, and they're kind of drawn l- drawn to resemble Anubis, yeah. And you have like the Egyptian like, motif there. Anapomorphic cats are like very yeah. Japanese. I feel like there's have, like there's one with literally an eye patch and samurai swords. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, and there's also um, what is it? Uh, shoot, I just lost my thought. Um, oh. I remember. Um, there's also a unicorn. I don't know if you guys remember uh, the unicorn because he was killed pretty quickly. But I was like, I was like, dang, there are like Western, like Western creatures as well. That's pretty cool. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then they have, you know, the. Um... So I don't know where the the old gods come from. Like, I guess old that's gods, like I don't know. I just keep thinking Full Metal yeah. Alchemist. It's like so terrible. <laughs> well, you have like the Lovecraftian kind of like elder gods, like 
I mean, like I, I was saying, yeah. like at the book club that, uh, like with Micah and Tuya when they're traveling with uh, their group of Arcanics, like the tents that they use, the clothes that they wear, they're very like, they're very Mongolian, mm-hmm. very uh, nomadic. And then when we go to Zamora, this like metropolis, you see like like the Mandarin collar, yeah. and, like with the soldiers, they're like it's it resembles like Mao. Kind uh, of, uniforms, but I also think. like maybe like colonial, yeah, like, like colonial, India, yeah. Or, and I'm just yeah. like we we've only like been to like two or three places in in this volume, so I'm really excited to see what the other cultural influences are going to be right. in like yeah. future issues. I'm like I want to see like like <laughs> the alternate version, alternate steampunk version of like South Asia. Like right. that would be so cool. Right. Like I want to see like steampunk singapore and like, <laughs> like philippines right so let's wrap it up by um kind of um setting up i guess the so at the end of the story in the climax um you find out that the mother superior is actually another old god that's actually here like he they want there's looking for the old god that's within micah yeah um they want its power and micah goes nuclear again to to yeah. defeat it uh, losing the rest of her arm in the process, so you, you find out there's a cost for power. For yeah. power, um, you find out that um, the Arcanists themselves are trying to contain Micah mm-hmm. um, because of her power and her recklessness. And you find out that the leaders of that faction is Tuya, her best friend. Yeah, the Baroness. Yeah, um, yeah. Like it's, I mean, it's hard to tell like where the series will go from there because it's such a cliffhanger yeah yeah but i think like especially this first volume does a good job one setting up the conflict and the world so you know the factions you know that um you know kind of who's pulling the strings Mm -hmm. um but then everyone still has their own agendas um you set up kind of the rules of this power that's growing this like this right um essentially the mcguffin right the the central what Mm -hmm. everyone's after and then it leaves it open to basically Micah is going after her goal, which is to find out what happened. Mm-hmm. Maybe find a way to control the power. And then everyone else is chasing her. Yeah. 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 I mean, she has one secret ally, Corvin, the Raven right. uh, Arcanic, who is part of the Dust Court. Um, I thought he was pretty cool. I, I hope he shows up again. Yeah. yeah. And he, you know, he. He recognizes something in her, or I guess that allows him to yeah. um, disobey his orders and like allow I think her to it's, escape. It's just the fact that like he sees that like she's not just this weapon; like she's like not I'm not a human being, but she's like right. She's like someone with her own pain and own agenda. He's and, able like, to overcome the labels that his superiors have yes. branded her with. Yeah, wrapping it all up. Um, Caesar as a person. Yeah, right? Caesar as a person. Yeah. Um, Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good, like, like end place for, like, you know, like, the bigger story is about to unfold now. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Um, cool. Well, um, <laughs> yeah. I guess, any, what are your final thoughts about the, the book? 
final thoughts. Uh, wow is a dense for a graphic novel. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Wow. The art is dense and the materials dense, but it's really good. Um, like a lot of our a lot of our members at book club, it was their first time reading a graphic novel, and I kind of feel sorry that I picked this one <laughs> because. It's, well, it's dense. Also, like there's a lot of, it's very violent too. Yeah, there's a lot of violence. A lot of. Actually, not as violent as uh, as some comics that I've read in, in the past and some graphic novels I've read in the <laughs> past, but but it it's just enough to like instill horror in you. Yeah, yeah. and Marjorie Liu, um, she used to write for um, X twenty three. Um, she's currently writing, I guess, a Han Solo comic series. Yeah. Um, she's but also she's written a lot of paranormal like novels. Yeah, yeah. but she's definitely. Um, like her style is like strong female characters who aren't afraid to murder. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, like I think it was nice to, um, I mean, this is our, this is only our third book in Mm -hmm. in our book club. And I'm just like, yay, graphic novel. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's like new genre. Um, And it was like very like, like heavy fantasy, you know, like, you know, because we did like the paranormal, like, yeah. sort of not like fantasy fantasy. It's still based in the real world. Yeah, this one is like this one's like like high fantasy. Yeah, you know, original world and everything. Yeah. yeah. Um, Alice, what are your last thoughts? Oh, um, yeah, I liked it a lot, and um, I think it's worth a look. And I guess it's like it's kind of like if you're kind of I feel like if you're a person who's like kind of iffy about comics, like this might be a good one to look at just because it's so different, you know, and like the story's interesting and again the art is the art is gorgeous so you know yeah but if you're looking for a one shot yeah right yeah Yeah, you'd have to you kind of have to be in for the ride (laughs) yeah this um for some reason i thought it was a one shot until i realized no no it's 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 my fault for not (laughs) but it's definitely it pulled me in like i told um rira like or i told i've I've told you this in the podcast before but Mm -hmm. like i have a very like i binge and I read through this all in one night again. And then I immediately went onto Amazon to look at where the next chapters are. So uh, apparently Marjorie Liu is releasing um, chapter eight um, in a week from this podcast recording. Yeah. And um, yeah, the story goes on. And I'm debating whether to wait for volume two, volume two or, or just to, to go and just like just get the issues. Yeah. Um, I did mention like uh, at the meeting, I was like, oh, like I would really want to see a TV show made out of, like, adapted from yeah. the monstrous world. Because there's so many women, and, like, you don't really see that in, like, yeah. in TV shows. Or there's always, like, that one token, token like, female character in, like, a dystopian <laughs> world. And it's like, wow, like, there's, like, the world is ending, and there's only one girl. Yeah. <laughs> like, so, like, it's nice to see so many, like, women of color and um, people with, uh, like, like you, like Micah, she is she. Her arm is like missing. It's like nice to see like um, people of like disabilities and right. and like it's just like so different. And I would really love to see that on screen. Right. But at the same time, I know that like it would be very difficult to produce simply because of budgetary reasons. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you can do anything with computers <laughs> these days. But then it looks. I mean, this one, this one needs uh, like a master of practical effects and like design. Like, yeah. Like a Guillermo del Toro or something like that. Even like, uh, <laughs> yeah, I would I would even settle for like a CW like sci-fi <laughs> series, <laughs> just so like yeah, we have was, more diversity got some money on to put behind screen. That. Yeah, no. um, but yeah, that was um, our discussion of Monsters by Marjorie Liu, illustrated by Sana Takeda. Um, 
a really, really great series that y'all should check out. And hopefully you did since you're listening to this. And um, I know I'm looking forward to the next few episodes or chapters. The next few yes. chapters. Of, Speaking uh, of next episode. <laughs> yeah. What are we reading for December? Uh, we are reading Charles Yu's How to Live Safely in a Science Fictional Universe. Awesome. And it is a witty, comedic, sci-fi metafiction about a time travel technician who is in search for his father. So something that is a little bit different, but not too not too different from Monstrous. We're jumping from fantasy to sci-fi. sci-fi. <laughs> But it should be good. Um, Charles Yu, of course, is also the brother of Kelvin Yu, who you may know from um, Bob's Burgers, a writer on Bob, who you may know as a writer on Bob's Burger or as um, Aziz Ansari's best friend on um, Master of None. <laughs> um, and Charles Yu is also currently a, um, I guess he's a story editor on Westworld. Oh, cool. So he's got he's got some chops on him. Yeah, but um, actually the next episode is probably going to be a mid-month episode where we talk about news and releases. Right, yeah. If you haven't um, been following our podcast, we did release a mid-month episode this month and talked a lot about um, the continent and the uh, controversy surrounding that. We'll oh, God, see, that feels like such a long time ago. <laughs> we'll see what happens um, in the month of December. But yeah, um, don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, or wherever you find podcasts. Um, and if you do listen to us on iTunes, please leave us a rating and review. Um, it'd be nice. I want to read what you think about our podcast. <laughs> Thanks, Alice, for joining us. Um, You're welcome. You should just be our like third regular guest or host. <laughs> we'll see. I don't know if I. She's a regular, but yeah, I'll, I'm a regular for now. But maybe I'll get promoted in 2017. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, thanks. Thanks so much for listening. Um, and um, keep reading. Keep I guess. Reading. Keep reading. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Bye. This episode of Books and Boba was hosted by Marvin Yue, Rira Yu, and Alice Van Chang, and produced and edited by Marvin Yue. For further discussion on the books covered at Books and Boba, please visit our Goodreads forum. You can find the link on our Facebook page at Books and Boba, as well as by searching for the group Books and Boba on Goodreads.com. Books and Boba is also a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective, a brand new collective of Asian American podcasts and podcasters. You can learn more about the collective as well as check out our founding slate of programs by visiting the website www.podcastpotluck.com.